Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come this morning before your holy presence to worship you and acknowledge your holiness, to worship you because you are worthy of glory and honor and majesty and power and dominion forever and ever. We pray, Lord, by the merits of Christ, by the access that you you have granted us by your spirit that we may be accepted as we have already been accepted in your son in what he has done for his people. And Lord, now we pray that you would exalt yourself in the preaching of your own son, exalt yourself in the reading of your word, and may you help us to understand the things of Christ that we hidden from many even the prophets who prophesied them, they longed to see the day of Christ. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal Christ to us this morning, that your people may know that this word that you have given us is sure and is true. We pray, Lord, for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we are going to be in Genesis chapter 24. And this is the longest that we have had in one teaching. It's a whole story. We're going to read from Genesis 24, verses 1 to 59. It's a long reading, but it is important for us to read the story so that you will understand the story in a way that you have not understood it before. And so this is what Moses recorded for us in Genesis 24, verses 1 to 59. And I am reading from the NKJV. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Verse 8, And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. 
Behold, here I, I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I'll give also your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. Verse 19. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milka's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. And as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. Verse 30. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist. And when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me that he went to the man. And there he stood by the camels at the wall. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the, of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and heads, silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Verse 37, Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family 
and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son, for my family and for my father's house. You'll be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you'll be released from my oath. And this day I came to the world and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I said to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink, And she says to me, drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Verse 45. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with a pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink. And I'll give your camels a drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nehor's son, whom Milka bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist. And I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken And it came to pass, verse 52, when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten after that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse and Abraham's servant, and his men, the whole entourage, the word of the Lord. Simon Tyro, will you go with this man? Will you go with this man? Or the gospel, according to Abraham, Isaac, and Rebecca, and Sister Becca. <laughs> this is a communion message, and so, as always, we try to preach the gospel message from different parts of the Bible that a lot of people just read as stories. With the revelation of the gospel in the New Testament, 
we can't continue to read the Old Testament as just stories. God did not intend to make them just stories. He intended by them to preach his son and his gospel. And this is what we know from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ himself after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus. In Luke 24, we have this recording. Luke 24, verses 25 to 32. The Lord rebukes his disciples for failure to believe the scriptures about his death and resurrection. And so he says in Luke 24, verses 25 to 32, Then he said to them, All foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, <laughs> and while he opened the scriptures to us? Acts 28, 23 to 24. I thought this was interesting. I saw this when I was flying between Denver and L.A. a week and a half ago. Acts 28, 23, 24. This is Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is arguing about Christ with the Jews. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. From morning till evening, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. And I pray that by the grace of God that I may be able to explain and persuade you concerning Jesus and the kingdom from the law of Moses, that is, beginning from Genesis, the first five books of the Bible, that's the law of Moses. And as in the time of Apostle Paul, some who will hear these things, things that would be spoken, some will be persuaded by them, they will see the gospel in these stories. But some will disbelieve. They'll say, oh no, that does not talk about Jesus at all. That's just telling you about Abraham and how God raised Israel from the loins of Abraham and how Israel was delivered from Egypt and all those kind of things. And yet Jesus and the apostles' understanding was those things testified to Christ and the gospel. And here at Berean, our hermeneutic, our way of reading the Bible, our ultimate way of reading the Bible is Jesus and the gospel. Because 
That is why the scriptures were given. The scriptures were given to testify of him. They don't testify of Abraham. They don't testify of Isaac. They testify of him. That's the words of Jesus. So the Old Testament does indeed bear witness of Christ and the gospel. And so, like his disciples, we need the Lord to help us to see him that also our hearts may burn inside us a revelation of Christ. He is the one who opened up the scriptures to them. So he also, in every context where Christ is involved, he has to open the scriptures to us. And so with that understanding and building ourselves towards going into the story and extracting the gospel from it, we need to understand this. That salvation is a story. Salvation is a story. It's the story of Christ. It's the story of God working in Jesus Christ to save his people. But it has two major components. We have redemption accomplished. Salvation accomplished. Salvation finished. Salvation fully procured by the work of Christ himself. And then we have salvation applied, redemption applied to the recipients of those that the Father chose in Christ. So in redemption accomplished, God through Jesus' obedience and merit perfected and finished salvation for his elect. And that means all the merits of salvation Everything required for you to stand holy and blameless before God was the responsibility of Christ Jesus. And Jesus performed it all to perfection. He did it on behalf of all his elect. The elect are those that the Father gave to him, those who were foreknown of the Father, but who in time are called by the preaching of the gospel and by the working of the Holy Spirit to partake of the benefits of the work of Christ. So when you and I come in time and we hear about Christ and we hear about the gospel and we believe and we get justified and all these wonderful things, that is redemption applied, is the application of redemption we do not come to Christ to finish salvation. We come to Christ to receive salvation. We are not coming to Christ to begin our own new recipes of salvation, bring our own onions and garlic and begin to get busy in the salvation kitchen and try to make salvation. That is not how it works. We only come to receive a work that has already been cooked, fully cooked and prepared by Jesus himself. And so, in time, the elect are called into the blessedness of the inheritance that is in Christ because by the death of Christ, they have been made heirs and adopted sons of God. We are not natural heirs like Jesus Christ is the natural heir of all things that God is and has. We are made as by adoption. 
And that adoption happened by the obedience or the death of Christ. So the death of Christ is what gave us the right and access to all the blessings of God in Christ Jesus. And so this is what has happened. In salvation, whenever you are talking about the gospel, never miss the big picture of salvation. Because every time we do that, we end up saying things that are not correct. We end up putting conditions of salvation on people that are not there. Conditions pertaining to your getting accepted by God himself. So this is what has happened. In salvation, God the Father chose a people and he gave those people, he wrote down their names and he gave them to Christ And these are the ones who are called the bride of Christ. And the church is the bride of Christ. And the saints are also the bride of Christ. All these people are saints. They are holy because God put them in Christ. They are not holy in and of themselves, but they are holy because of who they are in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus Christ came and redeemed them completely. That is, he paid for the entire cost to bring them to the Father. And the Holy Spirit in time comes and applies the work of Christ to them. He calls the bride of Christ to Christ. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to call all the elect to Christ. He regenerates them, that is, he quickens them, that is, he causes a new birth. He raises them from their spiritual death and makes them spiritually alive. He sanctifies them, he makes them holy, he teaches them, he illuminates the scriptures to them, he renews the mind after Christ. He is the spirit of holiness and so he runs the department of holiness in all the things pertaining to God and conforms the bride of Christ to the righteousness and holiness that they legally possess in Christ. So if you are going to look anything like Christ, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is charged with that work of conforming us to Christ Jesus. So the church age is the age of the work of the Holy Spirit to call the bride of Christ and to bring her to Christ. The church age is the work of the Holy Spirit. God the Father is working through the Holy Spirit. The Son is working through the Holy Spirit to bring the bride of Christ to the Son. And so this work of redemption was pictured in our very story in Genesis 24, just about the majority of all those aspects are there in the story. And as I was reading, I was like, oh, I missed that one. I'm I'm, I'm discovering more things as I'm reading. I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) So this is where we are. So God appeared to Abraham, Abraham, and called him out of his native land, a pagan land, the heir of the Chaldees to Canaan. I believe that's, the area somewhere around present-day Iraq. 
And in calling Abraham, God made promises to him that culminated in the Abrahamic covenant. And the Abrahamic covenant was an unconditional covenant, which means God alone was going to see to the fulfillment of all the terms of that covenant. So the covenant of grace, the new covenant that we are under is an unconditional covenant. The terms of that covenant were all fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And so the Abrahamic covenant also was an unconditional covenant because all the terms were to be fulfilled by God alone. And that is the reason why when it came time to cut that covenant, God put Abraham to sleep so that he would not walk through the pieces of the carcasses of the animals that had been offered to cut the covenant. Because if you walked through the pieces, you were saying, I am now bound by the terms of the covenant for which this animal has been slayed. And so God stopped Abraham in his tracks and said, no, Abraham, you are not going to be responsible for bringing out all the terms of the covenant. I'm going to put you to sleep and myself, I alone, I'm going to walk through. And God is saying, it's all on me. And guess what? That was Christ. <laughs> Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And you know that very well. It is the basis of the teaching of imputed righteousness in the new covenant. So Abraham and Sarai did not have a child of their own, a child from their own loins who would become an heir of the promises that God had given to Abraham. Why? Because Sarai was barren, could not conceive. And in the bigger context of God's sovereignty, God made sure that Sarah could not conceive. God had said, In your seed shall all the nations of the world be blessed. And so Abraham had determined to bring about an heir to God's promises by the flesh through Hagar, the Egyptian maid servant. But God comes and says in Genesis seventeen twenty one, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, 
whom Sarah shall bear to you a visit time next year. God comes and he says, he knows the name already. <laughs> next year, this time, I will establish my covenant with Isaac because I am so in charge of this thing. Okay? So the Abrahamic covenant was to be passed on. It was to be reckoned through Isaac and not Ishmael and not through a son who had come by the works of Abraham. Because God said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. It was to be in the son who was to come from the loins of Abraham and not from Hagar. Abraham's and Sarah and not from Abraham and Hagar. But since Sarah was past childbearing, past childbearing age, she was past menopause, God was going to bring about Isaac through a miraculous birth. And that was so that God would teach them that the ultimate son through whom the actual promises of the Abrahamic covenant was going to come, was going to come through another miraculous birth. And that son was to come from the loins also of his father. That was some very important nugget. I'll explain it a little later. So when Ishmael was about 14 years old, God appeared again to Abraham and Sarah and Isaac was conceived. And because it is in Isaac that the seed shall be called, the blessing of Abraham has to flow through Isaac. And from Isaac, it has to flow through Jacob and not in Esau. So God is directing the movement of the blessing of Abraham. But God then appears again in Genesis 22, and this is after Isaac had already been born, and he asks Abraham to go sacrifice his very own son on Mount Moriah, this very son who was supposed to be the heir of all the promises. And in doing this, God is almost threatening the line of Abraham. He is almost cutting off the line. This does not make sense. <laughs> but we know from Genesis 22 that, but as Abraham was about to slay him to death with a knife, the Lord appeared and told Abraham to stay the execution. And instead, God provided a ram that was caught in a thicket by its horns that became a substitute and sacrifice for Isaac. Why? Because the promises of God were not to be brought about by the death of a type or a shadow. God was teaching about his ultimate lamb that takes away the sin of the world. So the ram that was caught in the thicket was a type of Christ. Remember the Jews, when they were taking the Lord to be crucified, they had twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head. And that was a fulfillment of that ram being caught in the thicket by its horns. Okay? And Isaac also was a type of Christ who had willingly offered himself to be sacrificed. 
So in that story of the offering of Isaac, we see the death and resurrection of Christ foretold. When Abraham took his only son, oh, by the way, Abraham had more than one son. But God comes and says to Abraham, you go take your only son, the one whom you love, and go sacrifice him. And in that sacrifice of Isaac was the teaching of the death and resurrection of the one, the seed, who was going to come through the loins of Isaac, Jesus Christ. Listen to Hebrews eleven, seventeen to 19. Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19. The writer of Hebrews says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. So what's the conclusion of the matter? What is happening? Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. He received him in a type. So God is saying, when Isaac was offered, and then he did not die, by the fact that he almost was slain, and then he was received, that was a picture of the death and resurrection of Christ. That's what God intended by that. So in that type, Abraham believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because that is the testimony of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling us about what is happening to Abraham and his understanding. And Abraham is believing that God was able to kill him and to raise him. Let me make some other statement. If you still remember, I think in John 8, Jesus says to the disciples, Abraham saw my day and he believed. And they're like, uh, dude, you, I think you are losing it. You are not even 50 years old. How come you talk like that? And then Jesus says, well, before Abraham was, I am. And that's how he saw my day. He saw my day and he believed. So Abraham, in doing all these things, he has some understanding that the Holy Spirit is giving him of what those things actually meant. So we fast forward to the New Testament. God offered up his son, Jesus Christ. And we hear from Genesis 22, where he says, In the mount of the Lord, it is said, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Is that not Jehovah Jireh, right? And a lot of people take that and use it to mean that God is going to provide cars and houses and all kinds of good things. But that's not what was being said. That was said in the context of a picture of the offering of Christ. So in the mount of the Lord, which mount? Mount Calvary, what shall be provided? The true sacrifice shall be provided. God himself will see to it that the true sacrifice will be provided by him. So God willingly offered his son, Jesus Christ, because he had the commandment. Jesus had the commandment to take up his life again, unlike Isaac. Isaac did not have that commandment. If Isaac is cut, Isaac is a dead man. 
<laughs> so God said, uh, 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 no, 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 no. I have not given him the commandment to be able to take up his life again. But Jesus comes and says, no one takes away my life from me. I put it down by my own accord and I'll take it back up. But see to this, the resurrected Isaac, the Isaac that has been offered on Mount Moriah is not yet married. The Isaac who was offered on Mount Moriah, a lot of people think that he was about 33 years when he was offered, which is about the same age that the Lord was crucified. But Isaac did not have a wife then, so he needed to have a bride. And that takes us to our text, Genesis 24. And we're going to work our text all the way through. Verse 1 to 4 of Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh, and I'll make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. So pay attention to this. Abraham had been blessed in all things, and he was getting old which means he was ready to die and to pass them down to his only son, Isaac. All these things have to be given to the son, the only begotten son whom he loves. But the wife of Isaac was to come from among his own people, his country, and he says, my family. And that is the family of Isaac. And not from anywhere else. And this was a very specific and important instruction. It had to be done this way or it was not going to be done. So Isaac was going to be married to a very specific woman, very specific bride from the family of which the father had commanded him. And so Eliezer of Damascus, Eliezer of, of Damascus was Abraham's chief servant. He was the servant of all the servants. He was the top gun. And Abraham binds Eliezer under an oath to make sure that he would get a bride for Isaac. And not only that, but the one that had been appointed for him. Appointed for him. And it sounds to me like election. Like this bride is already appointed. Verses 5 to 8. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman who would not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be released from this oath. 
only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So Eliezer wants to make the instructions very clear to him. And so he says, what if the woman refuses to come with me? What if the woman is unwilling to come with the servant of Abraham to Isaac? Abraham says, under no circumstances is my son going to go there to pursue the woman. He is not going there. And if for some reason the woman refuses to come, then Eliezer, you are off the hook. No more under oath to bring Isaac a wife. So under this oath, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, took the camels and some gifts with him and took off to the land of Mesopotamia. And when he gets to the well, he gets very lucky. He gets very lucky. It just so happened that Rebecca was there. (laughs) Rebecca was there waiting. And if you look at the sovereignty of the whole thing, Rebecca did not go fetch water in the morning. She came right at the time that Eliezer was supposed to get at the well. It sounds like there's some appointment going on in the air. It sounds like God is sovereign over the movement of both Eliezer and the movement of Rebecca. And so when Eliezer gets to the well, he prays and he inquires of the Lord and prays for success and for the Lord to show him if this is the one. So Eliezer approaches Rebecca and asks for water. That is the sign that he has said. Asks for water to drink, almost like Jesus with the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. Rebecca gets the water and she also gets the water for the camels to drink. And then she invites Eliezer to their house. But Eliezer had also brought some bling bling with him. Yes, some bling. I mean, he's blinging. Some serious gifts. Listen to this. Verse 22 to 27. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel. That is a big ring. I don't know how much a shekel is. But it's a half a shekel. It's going to be weighing heavily on your nose. Weighing a half a shekel, a shekel, and two bracelets for her wrist, weighing ten shekels of gold. And said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milka's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So Rebecca is showered with some heavy gold that she needs a sling to keep. It inherits, it's like, this heavy stuff. And Eliezer worships the Lord, God who did not forsake his mercy and truth. And that is to say, he worships the faithfulness of God to his word. 
that he would get a bride for Isaac. The Lord is faithful to make sure that the one that he intended to give to Isaac will get to Isaac and not some other girl. Rebecca then runs and tells her household about all these things and her brother Laban is pleased seeing that his sister was already dagged with expensive ornaments. This is very good news to the family. This guy looks like he has some deep pockets. Very rich guy. But Eleazar is a man on business. They invite him to eat. And he says, no, 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 we're not eating right now. We have to finish the business. We have to complete the transaction. First things first. So he reveals his mission to the family and says, verse 33, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on, that's Laban. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. We'll keep reading. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great and he has given him flocks and heads, silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. So that's just saying this dude is rich. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old and to him he has given all that he has. Given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You'll be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give it to you, then you'll be released from my oath. And he continued and said, let's skip to verse 49. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the things comes from the Lord we cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebecca for you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshipped the Lord bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave precious things to a brother and to a mother. So Eliezer tells them that his master is great, he is rich, but he needs a wife for his son. And so he doles out again more gifts, jewelry of silver and gold and clothing. Verse 54 to 58, And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and he said, Send me away to the master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, We'll call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, 
I will go. And now to the gospel. <laughs> to understand the gospel in the Old Testament, we have to understand something about types and shadows. And we continue to do this because we have people who may hear we have never had a teaching on types and shadows. So we never assume that just because we talked about it in some other sermon, then naturally it means everyone still remembers or they know what it means. The gospel was hidden in types and shadows in the Old Testament. Because according to the New Testament, the Old Testament had the shadow of things. Now, a shadow, you can see a shadow, but you can't touch the substance of the shadow. You have a shadow, but the substance is me. I am the substance. So the Old Testament only had, only had the, the shadow. It only had some traces, not very clear pictures of the gospel until the New Testament came and shed the light into what those things were. So the, the substance or reality of those things are in Christ, as Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 2.17. So when you're talking about a type, a type is a person or persons or an institution like the tabernacle system or some event or some feast or feast like the Passover that pictured Jesus Christ and the work of the gospel. So when you're talking about the type, the type, because it is a shadow, is always in, is always inferior. The type is always inferior. It is inferior to the substance because the substance is the fulfillment of the type. So fulfillment is the fullness of what was represented by the shadow. And the fulfillment of the type is called the antitype. Antitype is the fulfillment. So Christ is the antitype or the archetype, like archangel, chief angel. So Christ is the archetype or the antitype of all the pictures and the shadows that were in the Old Testament. So when you look at the Old Testament priesthood, the Messiah, the tabernacle, as I said, you look at Joseph and his life, you look at King David, you look at Solomon, those were all types of Christ. And in this story of Abraham, Isaac, Eliezer, and Rebekah, we also have some good shadows of the gospel. Abraham is a type of God. He is a type of God the Father who has all things and has given all things to his son whom he loves, Isaac. So Abraham wants his son to have a bride, not just a bride, but a bride from his own people. And so he appoints the bride for his son and he makes all arrangements to make sure that his son will have his bride of the father's choosing. But Abraham 
You see that Abraham also is a type of God had willingly offered to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. Abraham never said, no, I can't sacrifice my son on Mount Moriah because he's the only son that I have. He willingly took his son and almost sacrificed him. Okay, As God would come and willingly give his son to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary. Because Mount Calvary is still on the same range as Mount Moriah. Like God was being like. Isaac is said to come from the loins of his father, Abraham. The one who shall come from your own loins is heir. So Jesus also came from the loins of God. Conceived of God. A body you have prepared for me. That's what Jesus said. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is the one who is in the bosom of the Father. The one, the only begotten son of God. Isaac was a miraculous baby. Because he was born when mother Sarah was past menopause. When she was not able to bear any children. And so Jesus also was born of a virgin and conceived of the Holy Spirit. Isaac is called the only son of Abraham in Genesis 22. But the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 said the only begotten son of Abraham. Whom Abraham loved as Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Whom God the Father was pleased with and loved. And still loves. (laughs) Abraham was very rich. And loved his son Isaac. And so he gave them. He gave him all things. He gave him all things. And Jesus is the son of God. Who is loved by God. And God the Father has given all things to him to possess. As John will record for us in John 3.35, it says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. All things into his hand. Now Abraham had to give a wife to his beloved son Isaac. And so he commanded that she would only come from among her people. And so God the Father gave a people, chose a people, And gave them to his son to be his bride. And this bride was to come from his own people. Those that the father gave to him in election from before the foundation of the world. And not only that. If they are coming from his own people, it means they are in the likeness of his son. And for this reason, Jesus had to come in the flesh that he may identify with the people from whom he was going to get his bride, the church from. And hear this from Hebrews 2, verses 13 to 18. Hebrews chapter 2. The writer of Hebrews says, and again, I'll put my trust in him. And that is Jesus speaking. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, as much as then as the children are human beings, he himself shed in the same, 
that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So Christ came and shared in our humanity that by that sharing, he might be able to overcome that which was on his people, to overcome the devil, the one who had power over death. And to do what? Verse 15, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Remember Genesis 24, he says to go get a bride from Isaac's brethren. So he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So Jesus Christ was made in the likeness of human flesh, born of a woman but without sin, tempted in all things just like us but without sin, why? Because that's identity and union with his own people. Let's talk about Eliezer. And we put everything together. Eliezer is the chief and most faithful of Abraham's servants who is in charge of all things of Abraham. But who is the picture of Eliezer? That is the type of the Holy Spirit. Eliezer is he who goes to call the bride of Isaac from Mesopotamia. And Eliezer comes under oath declaring the things of his master Isaac to his bride. Hear me. He brings many gifts to the bride and the bride accepts them. They are gifts of grace. They are not gifts that Rebecca and. They are gifts that came with Eliezer and they were for free. They are not earned by the bride, but Isaac is pleased to give them to his bride. And so the Holy Spirit comes under oath to get the bride of Christ to him. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make sure that everyone that the Father gave to Christ will be called to Christ. That is his mission. And that mission will not fail because he's under oath. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit recording for us and saying, Eliezer is under oath. It's talking to the security and assurance of this work that it is a work that has to be done. It's a work that cannot fail. And when he comes, he does not talk about himself. As Eliezer did not talk anything about himself. Eliezer never said anything about himself. He only declared the things of his master to the bride. Listen to John 16. Let's go to John 16. John 16 verses 13 to 15. John 16, 13 to 15. John says, however, and this is the Lord speaking, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you 
things to come, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. This is the son talking, right? (laughs) This is Isaac talking. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. When Eleazar came to seek for Rebekah, he knew exactly where to go to find her. But in the process, when he finds Rebekah, he did not speak anything about himself. He only spoke of Isaac. Therefore, I said that he would take of mine and declare to you. He would take the things of Christ and declare them to the bride. And so Eleazar guided Rebekah into all the truth about Isaac. How Isaac was the heir and how Isaac was so rich. And see that Eleazar did not speak on his own authority. He spoke on the authority of the oath that he ended with Abraham. And so the Holy Spirit speaks on the oath that he met with God the Father to bring to Christ his bride. The Holy Spirit is under obligation to make sure that the bride of Christ will come to Christ. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ and does not speak of himself. And that is a good indication of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a church. When you have a church that is always talking about the Holy Spirit That is not the testimony of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not testify of the Holy Spirit. Eleazar does not testify of Eleazar. He tells the bride of Christ about the glory of Christ, the accomplishments of Christ, and the riches of Christ. For Jesus says, all the things that the Father has are mine, said the Lord. So he comes and tells you about the things that Christ has. And so all the things that Abraham had belonged to Isaac and Eliezer took that knowledge and declared them to Rebekah. So Eliezer comes and gives gifts to the bride of Isaac and he begins to dress her with beautiful ornaments like nose rings and gold bracelets. And so the Holy Spirit comes And he begins to sanctify after he has called. Because Eliezer came and he called Rebekah. And then he begins to dress her with beautiful ornaments. And so the Holy Spirit, when he calls, he begins to sanctify the bride of Christ and prepares her to come to Christ. And also the Holy Spirit becomes the down payment of the many gifts that the son has to give to his bride. The Holy Spirit is also a gift from the Son to his bride. A seal and down payment and guarantee of the Son's commitment to the bride. The Son is serious about this. The Son has to have his bride. Who is Rebecca? Rebecca is a type of the church. She is a type of the elect chosen of the Father and given to his Son. But Rebecca can only come to Isaac as a virgin. The bride for Isaac has to be a virgin, which means she has to be holy and blameless. She has to be righteous. Listen to Leviticus 
21. Let's go to Leviticus 21, 10 to 15. Leviticus 21, 10 to 15. Moses is giving instructions on the priesthood. He's telling them about what they were to do and not to do with respect to even marriage. And he says in verses 10 to 15, Leviticus 21, He who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor tear his clothes, nor shall he go near any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or his mother, nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God, for the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him, I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot, these he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife. Nor shall he profane his posterity among his people, for I, the Lord, sanctify him, the wife of the high priest, anointed with oil, thus Jesus Christ, who is anointed with the Holy Spirit, has to be in her virginity, and also from his own people, the people of the high priest. So you see, election and the requirement of perfection on the part of the bride. That's the point. Second Corinthians 11, 1 to 2. I want to illustrate to you the interpretation of the virginity in the New Testament. Why that emphasis? Because it is there in the New Testament. Second Corinthians 11, verses 1 and 2. Apostle Paul writes and says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealous, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. As a chaste virgin to Christ. Revelation 14, verses 1 to 5. I have quite a number of verses uh, actually, I had a ton of verses. I had to remove a bit. But I am trying to show my point because someone is going to argue with me when I'm gone, when I'm not there to defend myself. So I have to defend myself ahead of time. <laughs> Revelation 14, verse 1 to 5. John writes and says, Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 140,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpies playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Listen to this. These are the ones who were not defiled with women. For they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. For they are without fault before the throne of God. How do you do that? Only if you possess the righteousness. 
of Christ. So not defiled with women did not just talk to the virgins as women, but also applied to the males. Why? Because it was speaking to righteousness, not the physical condition. Okay. So the concept of virginity is about the bride of Christ, the church, that it shall be presented to him holy and without blame. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Apostle Paul says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we should be holy and without blame. So the bride had to be a virgin when she was presented to her husband. And so the church is described in similar language and is said to be holy and without blame before him. And this language of holy and without blame has the virginity and the marriage ceremony in mind. And this happens in love because Jesus loves his bride, the church. First Thessalonians 5.23. First Thessalonians 5.23. Paul writes and says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. That will be our last one on that. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Apostle Paul writes again and says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify her, not having any spot or wrinkle, holy and blameless. So how did Isaac fulfill that? How did Isaac fulfill that for Rebekah? Because Rebekah was found as a virgin. Because remember, those are pictures that God is using to dramatize the gospel. The bride for Isaac was sought after Isaac had already been offered and resurrected as a type in Genesis 22. It did not happen before the offering and resurrection of Isaac. And so Eliezer comes, Eliezer gets the instruction to go look for a bride to call the bride after Isaac has, as it were, died and resurrected. The call of Eliezer was irresistible because the gospel call is irresistible. And this is what I mean. It means the call of the gospel cannot be refused by those who are the bride. It is 
an effectual call and that means it accomplishes the purpose for which it was given. Rebecca was called by Eliezer and she came. No arguments with Rebecca. If one resists the gospel call, it means they are not the bride of Christ. Because Jesus charms his bride. See, what he did with the Samaritan woman, there was some masterful dating and charming. And the Samaritan woman, she went back to the village running joyful because she had found her true man, her seventh man, the perfect man. Remember, Jesus said to her, you have had five husbands, and the one that you have currently is not your husband. That's number six. And here I am. I am the seventh husband. I am the perfect husband. And the dating was successful. So those that the Holy Spirit comes to get will hear the question, will you go with this man? And that is the question of the gospel. And that is the gospel call to the bride of Christ. Will you go with this man? Will you go with this man to Christ? Will you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? This man that you have never seen, but only heard about. That's the question of the gospel. What did Rebecca say in reply? She did not say, no, I don't know the man. I've never seen him. She said, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll go to the man, to my husband, whom I have not seen or yet to meet. Yes, I'll leave my family behind and go to my man because we shall be joined together and become one. Yes, I will take my cross and follow my husband that I may find life in him. There's no life for me here if I continue to stay with my parents. There's no life for me in Mesopotamia. There's life for me where Isaac is. Matthew 10, 37 to 39. Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That is a call to faith. It is a call to faith to believe what Jesus is saying about himself, to believe what God is saying about who Jesus is. Because, see, Jesus says, the one who follow after me. So Rebecca has to follow after Isaac. She has to go to Isaac by faith. So this is a call to faith. Jesus is not saying you literally have to hate your parents and your relatives. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that I am that important that you have to rest all your hope in me. And so the elect of Christ will always say, yes, I'll go when they hear the gospel of Christ. And that is faith. That is gospel faith. By this we know we belong to the Lord when we say yes to the husband whom we are yet to meet. Because people say, well, I don't really know where I am with my salvation. But this is a picture. 
you believe in what God says about Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews was saying, Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the scriptures again would say in Hebrews eleven six, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Rebecca believed and she was determined by faith to go and meet Isaac only on the account of Eliezer and so the bride of Christ believed only on account of the word of the Holy Spirit to them. And so they longed to see their husband, Jesus Christ. Why and how do they do that? How did Rebecca? so easily believed in what Eliezer had to say. Because they are made willing in the day of his power. Remember, Abraham said, the angel of the Lord will go before you. Eliezer, when he comes, he comes with power. (laughs) He comes with power. So Rebecca is made willing in the day of God's power. They are born again who hear What the Holy Spirit says. They hear and learn from God and the Father draws them to his Son and the ones that are so drawn come to Christ and he will in no ways cast them out. He never sends them away. They are made righteous. They are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. See that Eliezer did not give Rebekah things that belong to him. The things that Eliezer brought did not belong to him. Rather, he gave them things, gold, silver, clothing that belonged to Christ. So the believer is not made righteous by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are not declared righteous by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We are declared righteous by the things of Christ. The things of Christ. The Holy Spirit only applies the riches of Christ to the elect. The Holy Spirit sanctifies the elect. He makes them holy. He prepares the bride to meet with Christ. The Holy Spirit mediates the accomplished work of Christ to his bride. See that Rebecca was a virgin. I think I kind of mentioned that, but it's here, so it does be something important. Rebecca was a virgin, and that was not to say she had her own righteousness. Because that's not the testimony of the gospel. I explained earlier to say the timing of when Rebecca was called is important to understand the virginity of Rebecca. Rebecca was only called after Isaac had already been sacrificed as a type of Christ and resurrected in Genesis 22. And only after that was Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, asked to go and look for the bride. And so the Holy Spirit was sent only after Christ had died and resurrected. And so Rebecca has an imputed righteousness. Why? Because she believed the testimony of Eliezer. She believed the testimony of the gospel. Hear me? And so Romans 4, 5 would say, but to him, to her who does not work, but believes on him 
who justifies the ungodly, his faith, her faith is accounted for righteousness. So the Holy Spirit was given only on account of the death and resurrection of Isaac as a type. Okay, so in Isaac dying and resurrecting as a picture was also a picture of the redemption of his bride, Rebecca. And we're not going to argue about redemption, deliverance, or salvation. Okay. <laughs> we're almost done. If you can believe that. We're almost done. I, I didn't think I would be able. This one message that you can't teach at the conference, but it's so long. But then it's very difficult to teach in pieces. It, it, it makes more sense when you put everything together and you saw the development of the story and the conclusion of the story. So just one of those that is a labor of love. And so it is the death and so it was the death of the death and resurrection of Isaac that opened the way for Rebecca to be called to become the bride of Isaac. Is the death and resurrection of Christ is it that opened the way for the Holy Spirit to be sent and to call us to Christ. And so the death of Christ is the only merit that brings the bride to himself. The, the merit of Christ is what brings the bride to himself, chaste, holy, and righteous, and without any wrinkle or spot. Okay. So Rebecca is already adorned with the righteousness of Christ. Listen to verse 53 of Genesis 24. Then the seven brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. So that's the application of the redemption of Christ on Rebecca by the Holy Spirit. When Rebecca was shown Isaac, we are told that she covered her face as a bride. Genesis twenty-four sixty-seven. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted. After his mother's death. So Isaac sees Rebecca, receives Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Christ loves and has loved his bride, the church. And so he awaits for all to be gathered to himself. That he may be comforted for the work and the agony that he went through to bring her to himself. This is something that people will not understand. Christ suffered to bring his bride to himself. And until the very last one of those that the father gave to him, he shall not be comforted until he sees every one of them. And that is why the writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews 12, 1, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy of having his bride, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the exaltation of Christ on the right hand of God and also just getting together with the people the children that God gave to him, that was all the joy that Christ had. So he shall not be comforted 
until everyone of whom he died for has been gathered to him from all the corners of the earth. And together they shall be happily married ever after. So the Holy Spirit is working and is under oath to bring all who are like Rebecca to Isaac. If you still remember at the beginning, Eleazar asked Abraham if he should bring Isaac with him if he could not find a bride for him. But Abraham said, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen that way. Beware that you do not take my son back there. The son does not go back to get the bride after he has finished the work of redemption. The calling of the bride is not the work of the son, but of the Holy Spirit. Christ finished his work, and so the Holy Spirit is the one who has the work to do to bring the bride to him. So the son does not need to go there because the bride has to come to him not by sight, but by faith. Do you see that? Because if Isaac is the one who has to go and get him, he's saying, oh, oh, this dude is so handsome. I have to go to him. But that will destroy the picture of the gospel. So God says, my son shall not go back there. Rebecca has to come to my son only by faith. That's the only way. That's the only way. And so the father is very confident of his operation that a bride will be found for his son. And so there's no need for the son to go get the bride. That is security of salvation, friends. <laughs> People who say you can, you can lose your salvation, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm telling you the honest truth. They just don't know what they're talking about. And so when we commemorate the Lord's table, we are remembering, we remember the sacrifice that the Lord offered of himself that he may bring us, Rebecca, the bride, the church, to himself. Because it was by his death, by his obedience, that all the gifts and the benefits that we have been adorned with came from his will and last testament. The death of Christ is what opened the will and last testament of Christ, the son who had everything. Remember the writer of Hebrews argues and says, well, if there's a will, there has to be a proven death of the testator, the one who made the will. So the death of Christ is what opened all the benefits to us who were in him. And so the Holy Spirit came as one of the gifts to us, the bride of Christ. And so by the same death, we were adopted to become children and heirs with him by his blood. And so now he calls us to himself by his spirit and says, will you go with this man? Will you? Will you go with this man? And, and the elect of God will all say in unison with Rebecca, because Rebecca is representing all the elect. They all say, yes, I'll go. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go. Yes, I'll go. And that is the story that God is preaching. According to Abraham, Isaac, Eliezer, and Rebecca. That's the gospel story. Okay. Yes, I'll go with this man. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going. I'm going with Eliezer of Damascus. <laughs> Eliezer of Damascus. Praise the Lord. I'm done. 
Okay? I'm done. I, I had to really pass myself on this one because yesterday was just such a very difficult day for me. Uh, I, I wasn't even sure if I would be able to finish it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to go slow. Let's conserve some energy. So praise the Lord. 